You're listening to the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. On this episode of the EdUp Experience, we welcome John Eikenberry, president and co-founder of HigherEdJobs.com. If you work in higher education, chances are you've been on the HigherEdJobs.com website before. John comes on the podcast to talk to us about the state of higher education jobs amidst the COVID-19 crisis. Year-over-year hiring is down 58%. Yep, that's right, 58%. John also talks to us about hiring practices, his views on the evolution and future of higher ed, and how universities may be entrenching. Now, let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. This is Joe Salustio. This is Elizabeth Leiba. And on the line, we have John Eikenberry. John, how are you doing today? Pretty well. Pretty well. I think about as well as one can do in uh, uh, COVID times. Yeah, you know, that's a, a good point. And, you know, we like to, to, you know, before we get to the nitty gritty, as you will, and, and talk about higher education, uh, you know, how are you? Uh, how's your health? How's your family, your friends? You know, how, how's your network of people doing uh, in our, as you said, in our COVID times? Yeah. Uh, I would say relatively well. Uh, we live in uh, State College, Pennsylvania. That's been uh, somewhat of a bubble with regards to, to the virus. I think cases here have been relatively low compared to other places. So for our family, for our friends, our network, uh, we have been pretty lucky, I think. I mean, we there are some people that we know that, that have been touched, but for the most part, we've been okay. Uh, for us, you know, it's been more of a change to the regular pattern, working from home, uh, train, transitioning our business uh, overnight from primarily being uh, working face-to-face to in just about a 24-hour period, getting everybody working from home. But all things considered, I would say we feel very blessed, feel very fortunate, because uh, I know that this is, uh, compared to a lot of folks, I think what we're going through, we're, we're, we're fortunate. Yeah, you're right, and uh, you know we we've been uh, really lucky with with our guests uh, up to this point, who've all been healthy. We haven't had anybody come on and say that they had COVID-19, which I think is a good sign. Uh, but um, but you know, let's jump right in, John. We we have a lot of questions for you. You're you're a wanted man, so to speak. You, you've uh, <laughs> uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm on the we, run. We wanted <laughs> Yeah. We wanted to get you on this podcast, that's for sure. Uh, but if you could just uh, uh, talk to the audience very, very briefly about your background, um, you know, why you started Higher Ed Jobs and sort of your ascent to that point, and, uh, and that will give us some good background and we'll go from there. So, uh, well, uh, uh, two partners and I, uh, Andy Hibble and, and Eric Blester, the three of us started uh, Higher Ed Jobs. Uh, I just did the math recently, 24 years ago, so it's been some time. Um, We all came from higher education, um, and uh, so, you know, really the the need, felt a need for higher higher ed jobs at the time, just from doing our frustrations with our own job search uh, way back then, and felt the need for more of a push from away from a print-focused way of finding jobs to, to more of an online way of finding jobs, which today I think seems sort of like an, an obvious route to go, but was, was less obvious uh, back in those days. 
Well, and you know, uh, uh, given the times that we're in, I mean, the, it, this is really the crux of, you know, where a lot of the conversation will come from today. Um, you know, you don't have to go very far on LinkedIn or in the news to find out that colleges are slashing uh, a cost. There are going to be a lot of uh, people within higher education out of work. Um, so, you know, the, I guess the question, the first question for you is, are you seeing increased activity in job postings right now? Are you seeing decreased activity in, in job postings as, as a platform in general? You know, where is the stake of higher education hiring uh, live yeah. right now? Uh, unfortunately, I would, I would say uh, it's been a severe drop-off uh, since mid-March, uh, really when things started to, to heat up with, uh, with COVID-19 in the U.S. Um, unlike anything that we have, have seen before, uh, since we've been since we founded the business, um, you know we've been through 9/11, we've been through uh, Katrina and 2000, the 2008, 2007, 2008 recession, and you know each time it's a bit like trying to steer a boat through uh, uncertain waters. But but this is unlike anything that we we have seen on on the hiring side. Um, I w was just looking at the numbers uh, this morning, and since mid March this year, compared to last year, uh, job postings are down 58 percent, which is wow. just uh, hard wow. for us to fathom. Uh, we used to to put that in terms that might be a little bit easier to, to understand. We used to average. Uh, around 1,100 jobs uh, coming in each day, um, and since COVID, uh, since mid-March, we've been averaging more around 450 jobs a day. So, yeah. you know, it's still, you know, still some activity, uh, uh, but that's that's a huge, huge decrease, and we just have never seen anything like that. Uh, in you know the two and a half centuries that, that we've been doing this, um, mm -hmm. when we've had crises as a as a country before, um, I think they've like with Katrina that was devastating uh, down in the Gulf State area, but it was more localized to that area. Um, the 2007-2008 recession was was a very difficult time for higher education, but it, it wasn't as immediate as what we have now. And it also didn't threaten the, the very business model of, of higher education. So let me ask one follow-up question for you before Luz uh, takes over. Yeah. Do you, do, do you think, I mean, uh, hypothetically, of course, you know, college uh, or university cr creates a job. Somebody possibly who is already working or somebody out of work takes that job, and it might create another opening at the university the person came from and can be like a domino effect of, of some level. Yeah. Um, do you think it's because... Uh, a decrease is because of, I mean, there's obvious answer. It's obviously there's uncertainty in higher education right now with, with how to move forward. But is there a, a human part of this where people are not wanting to shift jobs amidst this? Maybe companies aren't wanting to hire people because they can't meet them in person. I mean, is it, is it a combination of factors, do you think, that uh, are contributing to that? Yeah, I, I, I think that that's a great question. And I think um, – Certainly, on 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 the hiring side, uh, there's tremendous uncertainty, and uh, uh, when when institutions, when organiz any organization is facing tremendous uh, economic uncertainty, uh, or or 
were certain that there was going to be a decline. Uh, it turns out that, that hiring is one of the very first thing they look to, to put an immediate stop on. Um, and if that isn't enough, then you, you start looking, unfortunately, at, at furloughs and, and layoffs. Um, so we've really, really seen that on, on the hiring side. Um, and interestingly, you know, you know I, I think it has affected traffic site uh, to some extent, and I have tried to figure out why that might be. I think you you hit on it there in terms of just with the uncertainty from the job seeker side. I think you know you have different types of people that are looking for a job in higher education. You have those who are looking to go from you know if, if they're in between jobs, then I think you know certainly they have a lot of reason to to look for for a position. But if you have uh, somebody who is in a position right now, I think with all the uncertainty out that portion of, of of individuals, uh, you know, there's, I think they're just thankful to, in all this uncertainty that to have the job that they have, uh, stay home with family, uh, and a lot less incentive to, to, to try to push them out and get a new opportunity in some other place. Yeah, good point. Liz, do you want to uh, jump in? Yeah, I have questions because, um, just from working in higher ed for so long, I mean, both myself and Joe have, but I know for me, from being on the faculty side, you guys are, you know, the go-to if anyone ever asks you, well, how do I get into higher ed or how do I get a teaching position or I want to become an instructor? I'm always like, go on higherhead.com. You, know, like, yeah. yeah. you guys Later. are like a staple. You're warming my heart. Yeah, good. Because <laughs> you warm our hearts when we're looking for a job. When we're faculty, yeah, when we're scouring through those postings. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's gratifying to hear that. That's exactly why we why we started the business. So, so. Absolutely. And and what you said resonated with me when you were talking about the frustration, because when I first got into the field, obviously I was coming from admissions and I wanted to be a faculty. And that was the first thing I did. I started, I would jump on hired.com and like, let me see what openings are out there. But just based on that historically, I guess, um, to my question and what you've seen in terms of trends and hiring, you have your finger on the pulse of, of the need areas what would you say historically have been, and this is a question I get asked all the time, and obviously I'm not in a position to answer this question, even though I have been faculty for a decade. What have historically been the highest need areas when you're looking at um, the job postings and the requests that you're getting in terms of postings from colleges and universities and organizations all over the country? And, and how do you see that changing after COVID? How can people tool themselves to maybe look at some of the areas that just based on historically you've seen have been high need areas. Do you think that's going to change after COVID? Is online going to be, have you, have you seen that been a little bit more in demand? Maybe you can't make these kinds of predictions, but based on just your experience, what do you think we're going to see in terms of maybe after COVID, where are the needs going to be that people might be able to predict or maybe contour themselves for? Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's, it's hard to say. Um, and I was, again, I was in looking at the numbers this morning in, in terms of how, you know, what have been the high, high demand areas and how are those going to, going to change post COVID. And I, so I went in and I, I looked at uh, a year ago, what we have, we have over 200 uh, categories on the site between all the different academic disciplines and administrative specialties. 
And I, I went and I looked in at uh, what were the 10 most popular uh, job categories a year ago. Um, and then I compared that uh, with data since mid-March. And I, I was really surprised to see that it was essentially the same 10 categories. Hmm. So uh, top of the list was health and medical services. Uh, laboratory and research and some different administrative areas. Um, two, the two interesting changes we had, uh, on the faculty side, we had uh, academic nursing uh, was it made it to the top 10, uh, as well as some, some biology positions. Uh, uh, so it was interesting that, I mean, you can you know, potentially those are, those are connected to uh, to what's going on with, with COVID-19. But, uh, you know, we, we've seen, you know, that's in terms of, of the specific positions, uh, category areas, but um, I think other, other changes are, are likely going to happen that uh, I think that the continuum for all of higher education between face-to-face uh, -face, uh, and online uh, is going to continue to shift uh, uh, with more things happening on, online. And I think, you know, we've been seeing that on the faculty side for a couple of days now, uh, more and more faculty having some sort of hybrid component with their classes. Uh, but I also wonder uh, on the administrative side if things might be different when, when we go back. Um, certain positions and roles that we're in the past, it was assumed that there's there's no way that this, this position could be done online, or the, this team has to get together uh, face to face in order to do that their jobs. And we're now not only running a higher national higher education uh, experiment, but for several other sectors of, of society are being tested right now and having to to uh, to work remotely. And I think we may be finding that uh, with the tools that we have available, that there's a lot we can do remotely that we weren't able to do uh, in the past. So, uh, you know, for administrative positions, maybe this, this opens up some doors, maybe a, a job that in the past uh, you, you went to, to campus five, five days a week, uh, maybe there's a day or two in there where you can work with your man agree have your manager agree that you can do those days from home. Uh, and uh, on, on the factory side, I've heard discussion, which I think makes a lot of sense, is you know, maybe the idea of the the 500 student plus uh, lecture hall. Maybe this is really putting somewhat of a, a stake in that. Uh, and instead, having the, the large lecture part be, be taught uh, online uh, and then bringing students together for smaller out, uh, sections where, where they can actually talk to each other. Hmm. John, do you, John, so John, I, do you think, let, me, let me jump in with just a, a, a yeah. practical mm -hmm. question along, along that, those lines. You know, I'm not even sure how to ask this, but, you know, you've seen 
probably tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of postings at this point. And I'm sh- I'm shifting because I've been waiting to ask you this question. Um, <laughs> higher education. I'm afraid. Or, Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this, this is a setup, John. We got down here and we set you up for the yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but higher education, you look at hiring practices. And you look at, you know, progressive companies and, you know, things like LinkedIn Easy Apply and, and things like this, okay? Higher ed jobs, um, as you go on there and you look at uh, ways to apply, there are some colleges and universities that have, um, let's call them uh, pr- practical hiring steps where you can apply quickly, you, know, you send a resume, you do a cover letter and you're good. And then you see these other postings where, you know, you need a nine-page cover letter with, you know, 47 <laughs> references and uh, 47. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, um, I'm, I'm a job seeker. Now I'm going to spend two weeks getting my information ready um, to, to send in. Do you think that higher ed will ever see the day when some of the traditional, very slow hiring practices, committees, and, you know, very, very long, uh, let's just call them lengthy requirements to even apply for a job. Do you think we'll see change at some point? Do you think COVID will bring that level of change because there's going to be people that are trying to hire faster? I I certainly hope so. I, I know that it, it's a frustration out there, uh, and we have tried to work with, uh, universities we've tried to work with there's a whole group of organizations called applicant tracking systems that are often uh, these are the electronic systems that uh, you're actually you're when you apply for a, for a position it's oftentimes flowing through uh, one of those organizations and we've worked with them to try to make the process uh, easier you know have, have the, the candidates save their information with us and then when they apply they just have it automatically upload into that system make the mm-hmm. process easier but uh, for whatever reason getting uh, all the stakeholders uh, together to agree that it would be in everybody's interest to make that process easier it, it just hasn't uh, happened yet uh, and maybe what it comes down to is that uh, institutions re- feeling some sort of urgency for this. Maybe if they start to see that a lengthy process or a process that uh, is too time consuming, not only in terms of the duration, but there's, it takes too much elapsed, too much time for the candidate to upload all these documents, get all these references, uh, that if, if they start to see that they're missing out on good candidates because of that, uh, they're not hiring the best person uh, that, they, that they could for that. Uh, they're losing out on, uh, you know, whatever, uh, that, that maybe that will force some of them to, to rethink that, that process. Yeah, you know, I guess I almost wonder if, if it's going to be so competitive, though, with so many out of work, uh, so, so many competitive um, candidates out there and so much of a con- competitive job market, maybe it'll be less of an, an incentive mm-hmm. for universities to change their model? I don't know. Uh, I think that, I think that there's, a, there's a possibility uh, that, uh, you know, we've been seeing that in terms of uh, another trend in terms of the, the postings that are on the site, uh, that the postings that, 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 are, uh, that, that are getting listed now, that, that there does seem to be increased activity on those jobs uh, compared to, to a year ago. So 
I don't think that at least it, it's the it's not like the increases that I've seen is you know 200 300 percent. So it's not like I, I think candidates are going to be or that employers are going to have multiples of more candidates or that the candidates for for a particular job are now uh, competing against several times the, the number of applicants. But uh, I do think it at least in the short term, I, I can see it, things trending in that direction. Mm -hmm. Another question I have. You got more. Yeah, I was going to just one last question and I'll let you jump right back in. <laughs> I know you got like a whole barrel full of questions over there. But one more question I want to ask you, John, <laughs> in terms of the, compet the competitive nature of the hiring landscape, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about this um, question I have because we've been talking, obviously, we've all seen what's going on in the news in terms of uh, a call for social justice and racial inequities in society and, and us taking a look at hiring practices across the board, whether it's businesses, whether it's education in higher education what have you seen in terms of schools looking at diversity of candidates are schools making an effort or have they made an effort in the past to try to develop some kinds of strategies for identifying a diverse pool of candidates and, and do you see that changing in the wake of everything that's going on with more attention being paid, placed on we all know that a lot of times universities and colleges, the, the administration, the faculty is not necessarily representative of the student body. And there's a lot of now more of a, a focus on that, a call for that. So how do you think universities will be able to perhaps address that need and that renewed sense of urgency with the yeah. community asking those questions? <clears throat> That's that's a great question. I know that this is it's been uh, a question that institutions have, have looked at for uh, for many years, and I, I I know that there are lots of institutions out there with, with uh, good intentions, lots of institutions that know that they they need to do better uh, uh, in this in this regard, and I think. Uh, you know, some I think have have found better ways to uh, embrace, you know, looking at their hiring practices, looking at their culture, uh, looking at their community, and to do all that they can to to not only look at the diversity but the the overall uh, equity and, and making it a welcome environment uh, mm -hmm. for everybody there, so that uh, when you're able to 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 hire those those diverse candidates that you're you're able to make everybody feel welcome and make, and, and help everybody want to stay there. Um, mm -hmm. I think what's been going on in this country, I uh, you know, there's a lot. I feel we're having a conversation about issues that uh, in in a way that's different than 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 I've seen it before. And uh, we just had a there was a a march here in my, my town yesterday, and it was just unlike anything that I've ever seen in my lifetime. And it, it was, it was powerful. Um, uh, just the, the, the speakers uh, and the, the rainbow of everybody out there seeing this as something that, that we need to address, we need to fix. 
uh, and and racism has has got to end, and we've got to to, to stand up forcefully with our voice uh, and uh, and make a change. And that I think one of the one of the powerful comments that I heard yesterday is, is that we are the generation we've been waiting for. Uh, and but it's it's going to take more than just going out to a protest. It's going to sure. have everybody challenging each other and talking to each other about these things to to make this world a, a better place uh, and make academia a better place. And you know, if starting with with dialogue and getting everybody to talk together uh, and learn from each other and, and challenging each other, I think is at least one way to start. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, and John, to, to your credit and the credit of higher ed jobs, uh, you do have a, a diversity uh, uh, category and website under resources, and it highlights uh, diversity in higher ed, race and ethnicity, veterans, individuals with disabilities, the LGBTQ uh, community, and, and women in higher ed. So, you know, kudos to you for highlighting that on your mm-hmm. site. Um, mm-hmm. And then underneath that is a, is a highlight of diversity and inclusion jobs specifically uh, for those areas. So, uh, yeah. you know, well done, sir. Um, uh, very well mm-hmm. done. Thank you. Um, uh, you know, and, and that, that sort of gets to the greater point here. And, and you know, I, after 24 years of you doing the math, I would imagine you're somewhat <clears> of a futurist, even though this is un, unprecedented, you're looking toward the future to say, what does this mean for higher ed? I mean, I, you know, I think there's, um, it, it's funny because it's this piling on to higher education, I think under other industries too, but, um, you know, COVID-19 uh, potentially changing the model of higher education, um, maybe forever in some way, shape or form and, and schools right now struggling with what, what return to fall looks like, at least those schools that have, uh, you know, on ground components. Uh, and then you add on, um, you know, the the uh, topic of racism to what jobs look like going forward, and you wonder are universities entrenching right now and saying, okay, w- we need to figure out what this business model looks like, and, and we need to then explode and hopefully create something brand new. So do you think that there's going to be, um, you know, a sort of a resurgence of a higher ed, or do you think, um, and, and this is really a general opinion-based question, I, I know there's no right or wrong here, do you think there will be a more, of a more uh, attempt to return to normal? You know, so as a futurist here, my friend, are we going back to normal, whatever normal looked like before with all of our might, or are we looking towards the future with, with new models? Yeah. Uh, my sense is that... Uh, a lot of institutions are, unfortunately, you know, you know, they they have a lot invested in the way that they've been running their organizations, and so I think that there has that there, you know, in terms of of an on-campus uh, model, so I think that there's going to be a lot of incentive for them to to have that model as as best that they can. Um, but you know, they're also, you know, I think probably every institution out there that, that's hoping to go back to face-to-face uh, is also thinking about contingency planning. So, uh, you know, I, you know, what is everything going to look like uh, in the end? I, I think uh, probably some form of uh, back to traditional model, but to some extent to the, fe- to the, those elements that they experiment with, 
uh, and are forced to come up with you know, creative new solutions during this uh, during this period. The things that they that they experiment with that that they feel are good long term. Uh, for example, flipping the classroom, uh, those types of things. Uh, I think some of that that can those things might be here to stay. Uh, but I think by and large, I think I see probably primarily a return to the, the traditional on-campus experience. Um, there's just uh, institutions have a lot to invested in, in that. And also, I think uh, parents and, and students uh, increasingly recognize that, you know, going to college is not just about acquiring knowledge. It's also a, a time to, to learn and, and grow and out who you are uh, in somewhat of a pr protected environment. Um, so I think, you know, there, there are a lot of forces there, uh, but the, to keep us in that traditional model, but it's, it's also at the same time being tested in ways that, that we've never seen in, uh, in my lifetime. Yeah, and you wonder what, you know, I, there's, nobody knows anything, right? That's the thing you realize with COVID-19 is that nobody knows mm -hmm. what, what the heck they're talking about. And, uh, but there is a lot of uh, news out there about a, a fall resurgence uh, or a, you know, late fall flu season resurgence of COVID-19. What does that mean for, for many of the schools that have, have gone back to that level of normal and, and, you know, can it cause a panic and all of those things are, are considerations that we have to look at at this time. Um, it, so it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But one thing I know for sure is that people do need jobs. And, um, you know, uh, uh, as higher ed goes through um, some slashing, if you will, in certain uh, areas and then hopefully a resurgence to some degree, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we will see uh, many of those institutions go back and uh, put those posts back up. So do you do you have whispers? I mean, you must have birdies uh, in the wind. I know. You have to give me all your standpoint, just the ones that matter. Yeah, for, you know, from a business standpoint, this is what we're definitely banking on. Uh, hmm. And I think that there, uh, we have seen uh, some promising things. Uh, uh, just you know this. It's a data point of uh, one uh, one here or end of one here, but um, you know, even just what we've been tracking week to week our our KPIs, uh, and uh, it's been a challenging time uh, during over the last you know however since, since mid March, but uh, uh, even just last week on the conversations I'm hearing from our our sales reps who are out working with college universities, we are hearing uh, increased optimism. I think we're, we're getting closer to the, the magical uh, July 1 uh, fiscal date for a lot of institutions. And so I think uh, that's getting some, some institutions to, to act. Uh, we have over uh, 1,200 college universities that are on an annual contract with all of, uh, to post all of the jobs with us. And uh, continuing to a lot of those, a lot of those schools come up July one for their renewal, and continuing to see a lot of those those school renewals for the upcoming year. And John, we're just having a, you're having yeah. just a little bit of yeah. audio issue. 
I think I heard you say that there are about 1,200 schools with annual contracts with higher ed jobs, and you're 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 hearing uh, whispers of a return and a resurgence in the amount of jobs that are posted out there. That's that's correct. Yeah, we have 1,200 institutions that are on that annual plan, uh, and uh, every day seeing more and more of those institutions uh, renewing for the next uh, next calendar year, next next fiscal year. Um, okay. So I think that that's that's a positive sign. Um, uh, certainly during the, it, it's the more immediate, uh, hiring needs, uh, certainly were took the biggest hit, uh, throughout the, the pandemic so far, but, um, longer term planning, I think most institutions are, are still, uh, committed to that. Uh, and even with the shorter term hiring needs, uh, as I mentioned, I think we've started to see some, uh, some recent uh, uh, increase in optimism there. Great. Liz, do you have any uh, additional questions for John? I guess my, my final question would just be, you initially started your platform, which obviously all of us job hunters or people who have been job hunters in the past were really grateful for that ability to be able to have that ease of being able to not have to look through the classified and, and gather newspapers or whatever was the case back way back then. How do you see your platform evolving to meet the needs of job hunters? You did that initially going from that paper classified and, and finding a way to kind of um, just gather all of those uh, job postings in one place. What are some things on the horizon for you or other things that you think might be helpful for your platform as you continue to evolve and develop to meet the needs of future job hunters? Uh, that's a great question. And I think, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things, I guess, when you're, when you're really involved, like I can look at our seat site and, you know, I'm you know, very pleased with a lot of things, but I can, I can look at it. And I think, you know, all of us who are working there so you can see, you know, oh, we can improve this, we can improve that, we can make this uh, an easier way to, to search and find your jobs. We can find this would be a better way to display our job. This would be we can make these changes and make it, the apply process easier. Mm -hmm. So that's you know, we're constantly looking at, at those ways and trying to get feedback from the employers that use us and the, and the job seekers who use us, faculty, administrators, executives to see what we can do to, to make that match easier. Uh, so I think continuing to look at our platform that we have um, and, and what else can we do to make it really uh, tailored for the higher education industry, uh, candidates in higher education who have, you know, this is a different, uh, different needs. We have uh, different data sets that we can, that we're fortunate we can search on and, and connect into our, our system to, to make it easier to, to look for jobs. Um, but I think you know, we've also had a bigger push uh, outside of the job postings uh, with our editorial content on our site. Mm -hmm. uh, and coming out with more articles uh, and, and content that could be helpful for uh people who work in higher education, who uh, maybe it's uh, tips and advice on, on finding a, a new position in higher ed, but it also uh, we can use this to, to talk about how they, things that they can do to, to do better in their current job or different, uh, be more efficient, how to 
how to get a raise, how to, uh, you know, improve the way that they teach. So uh, I think that it's made us a more uh, rounded service. Uh, and and for the people who use us, it gives us, it gives them other reasons to, to connect uh, with us and engage with us. Cool. Love it. Thanks. Hey, John. Well, well, thank you, and uh, I'll, I'll leave you with the final two questions that we have. You, you've, uh, you've answered everything uh, very well. Thank you and, and for your knowledge. Uh, um, uh, last couple of questions, uh, and we'll give you the hard one first. Um, <laughs> what do you think, what do you think um, the future of education is going to look like post-COVID-19? You kind of touched on it a little bit. And then secondly, um, uh, anything about higher ed jobs that you want to leave uh, our audience with uh, about your platform or anything that you'd like us to know? Sure. Uh, I think, you know, the, the future of higher education right now is, is, has probably uh, never been less uh, certain. There are so many uh, Factors at, at play, uh, you know, even before COVID-19, uh, uh, this was a time of distress for, for the industry. Uh, I think before we've been doing this for a couple of decades, and I have never, even before COVID-19, I have never seen so many notices of uh, schools uh, closing or merging with other institutions. Uh, so already, I would say that had been at an at an all-time high, uh, and now you throw in uh, a public health crisis, uh, which which makes a lot of um, uh, parents and and students have concerns about: is it safe to go back to school face to face, or if it's going to be not the hundred percent the experience they had hoped and planned for? Do they want to take a gap year, and what financial impact that has on institutions. So uh, you know, this fall is going to be critical for, for higher education. Um, and you know, I, I just, I hope that the damage can, can be limited. I just, I, I fear that there are a lot of institutions that have been on the brink uh, financially and that, that this might be a, unfortunately a fatal blow uh, for some of them. So we may see, you know, some, some contraction uh, in higher education. Uh, we, we could see uh, online providers that have really, you know, that's been the, the, the main focus of, of, their, of their business, uh, of the way that they operate their institutions, that they, they might be a, a winner in this. Uh, uh, that if there's, you know, if a, if a student is gonna go uh, have to take a semester online. Maybe they they would just assume do it with that. Um, so I again a, a lot of un, a lot of uncertainty. It's a, it's a it's a very cloudy uh, crystal ball at the moment. I'm afraid. Um, mm. And in terms of higher jobs, uh, you know, we uh, I I guess more a, a sense of of uh, Gratitude and, and thank you to all of the uh, the, the community uh, for using our service. Uh, we're we we're a we're a business that doesn't 
work unless we have two separate audiences using us. Uh, we, we need both uh, higher education professionals, faculty, administrators, uh, executives to come to our site. Uh, we also need uh, employers on the other side uh, putting their jobs in there. So uh, I try like trying to develop this whole ecosystem of getting everybody in there. So uh, I think for for those of you you listening uh, who are in higher education, I think from all of us at Higher Ed Jobs, thank you for uh, using our service. Thank you for uh, any comments, advice, suggestions, input that you have for us to, to help us make it a better platform to help you. Uh, again, thank you so much for, for coming on. I, when I tell you that uh, uh, Elvin, Liz, and myself were excited to speak with you, that'd be an Absolutely. understatement. We were like, oh, you got to be kidding me. We're going to get to talk, talk to him? You know, so then we just started loading up questions. And, you know, Liz told me I wasn't allowed to ask some of the ones I had prepared. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I had to put him on a leash for you, John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. We'll, we'll have thank to get you, you on again. <laughs> if you had a good experience, I'll get you on again and ask you the really hard questions. Uh, uh, I've enjoyed this. Anytime. Great. Well, we really Our appreciate pleasure. it. And, and um, we will, uh, uh, you know, obviously <laughs> – if anybody in our audience does not know higher ed jobs at this point, then, you know, crawl out from under the rock, check it out. Um, uh, you know, particularly if you are somebody affected by the, the changes in higher ed, you'll want to be uh, referencing higher ed jobs yeah. for a return uh, to uh, financial prominence for you and your family. So yeah. so keep uh, John and higher ed jobs top yeah. of mind. Hey, Joe, Joe, unless you have uh, time for just one other, one other comment. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, so we just when we were uh, speaking about you know the you know what's been going on in our country uh, recently, I I am encouraged by the dialogue that's that's, that's happening now. But you know, it's I would also add, I mean, it's it is a tragedy what it has taken to to get us to this point with with. Uh, uh, with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, uh, Ahmed Aubrey and, and, and others. Uh, uh, so I, you know, I, while it's wonderful, the dialogue that we have, I think we can't forget about those tragedies and all the other, uh, you know, tragedies that have, have occurred in our country. And, and hopefully we can use this as a, as a time for, for coming together and talking. And, and I, and in sort of a weird way, I think, Maybe this is something about the the pandemic that having an entire country uh, taking time out and being in more of a reflective mood and thinking about who we are and what we want this world and this country to be um, that maybe in some way that that can be a, a silver lining out of all this. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, John Eikenberry with uh, higher Ed Jobs, the CEO and founder, uh, dropping knowledge on us about what's happening oh, yeah. in higher ed. Liz, tell me what you thought. Wow. I mean, I was fangirling, first of all, because, I mean, it's like higher ed jobs. It's like a staple for anyone who's been a job hunter in higher education. So it was like really interesting to hear his perspective on how higher education has evolved over the past 20 plus years that he's been um you know, I guess a forerunner in just the whole industry of um, looking for jobs in this 
sector. I mean, that's always been the go-to as far as I've seen. But I think one thing that really struck me, and I, I guess it kind of mirrors everything that's going on in society right now, is just the uncertainty in higher education. And that was really like, wow. Because he would be, like we talked about, a futurist. He knows. He's been in the industry. He's seen hiring. He's seen ups and downs. He talks about Katrina. He talks about the recession. He talks about 9-11. Like, he's been there and all of these pivotal points in our country. And this is different. And it's really hard to predict what's going to happen and how to prepare and, and what is going to be I guess a trend moving forward in higher education, nobody really knows. And and I think that was really like kind of mind blowing for me that really in higher education, we're like at a real seismic shift and we don't know exactly what is going to happen after COVID. Yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, the the first thing you said is the 58% drop in, in uh, posted yeah. jobs, right? 1100 a day to 450 a day. Wow. So, you know, if you're lucky enough to work right now, I think we, mm-hmm. you know, like I am, and, and I think you are, we're, we got to mm-hmm. consider ourselves lucky to some degree. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. And, and you hope, you hope that the shift in supply and demand, right? Because generally, you know, an institution in a normal world um, probably has the majority of people that they need. And so they have a job or two jobs that they're hiring for. And so the, the supply for that job is much greater than the, the one or two jobs that the demand, right? right. Um, but now right. the demand for candidates might be greater than the uh, than the job itself, and so you hope that um, that uh, institutions will look at changing their hiring practices to some degree. I mean, you look through some of those jobs; it's like seriously, I got to spend like you know every waking moment, you know, <laughs> working the job, and you're looking for a new one. Which, if you have a good leader that, that wants to see you move up, they're going to promote you to to you know if you see an, a, a, you know a job you can move toward that that person if they're a good leader is going to help you get there as a part of like a coaching tree but I mean, man if you got to spend you know if you're writing literally writing dissertations at night to apply yeah. for a job and we're, we're a little back uh from where i think we need to be in a in a uh, world that's shifted to more supply right more the, the mm-hmm. there's more uh you know there's going to be uh more people out there for less jobs uh, most mm-hmm. likely so um you know the other thing is you know liz and and uh, i think you'll appreciate this it's uh, a lot of these guests we don't know them this is the first time we talk to them for, for anybody uh, out there listening to this that mm-hmm. you know it's not like we do a lot of prep work we get this person on uh, you know in this case elvin did, did some magic and got john on with us yeah and right. we magic haven't talked to him before. yeah yeah so we learn about them as they talk and uh, what he did at the end uh, to uh, you know uh, stop and take a moment to recognize the societal uh, issues that we're having right now and to talk about um, you know uh, you, you think about how he can be at the forefront of helping that change as he deals with institutions and Liz you talk about allies a lot and I think John yeah. sounds like an amazing ally to bring change to higher ed and uh, a small you know we got bigger bigger changes out there in some industries that need way more change than higher ed but we all need to bring the change to our groups and environments and, and so sure. on so you got to learn about him as a person a little bit which I thought was cool yeah that was great I like that so there you have it ladies and gentlemen another great episode of the Edup Experience uh, we encourage you to check out higher ed jobs as you conduct your job search and Liz thank you again for your time thank you until next time everyone Hope you enjoyed that episode. To learn more about the EdUp experience, 
please visit edupexperience.com. That's E-D-U-P experience.com. And please feel free to rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. We really, really appreciate your support. You've been listening to The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business with your hosts, Joseph Lucio, Elizabeth Leiber, and Elvin Freitas. <laughs>